0: Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. When something goes well for you, do you naturally assume it's because you earned it? I hope not. Sometimes people say things like, What did I ever do to deserve this blessing? as if God's blessing were something we earned. That's not the case. If that's the wrong response when things go well, what's the right response? If the ball keeps bouncing my way and things work out really well for me, that doesn't necessarily tell me anything about me, but it does tell me something. Today we'll find out the right conclusion to draw when God blesses us. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make in studying Bible stories is thinking that the main character of the story is the human character. The main character is always God. The main character of the story of Daniel in the Lion's Den is not Daniel. It's God. The main character of the Samson story is God. If you're wondering, who's the hero in the Samson story? It's God. The main character in the book of Job is not Job. It's God. It, it, it's good to be inspired by those human heroes of the faith, but the most inspiring thing of all is to look at God and to learn what He's like when we read those accounts. Look, that's what that's what James does here, verse eleven. He says, "You've heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about." Or your Bible might say, "You've seen the purpose of God," and that it could be translated either way. Literally, it's you've you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen the end of the Lord. And that word "end" can refer either to the, the end of the story, or it can refer to purpose. Uh, and there's not a lot of difference really between the two because usually the purpose comes to fruition at the end. You've seen the purposes of God in that whole situation with Job, haven't you? You've seen it. Job didn't get to see it. Job never got to see God's purpose. He didn't understand that. At the beginning of the book, we're told why Job is having to suffer. Job wasn't told why. He never he never was, even at the end. He doesn't get that information. And at the end of that book, God speaks to Job... He tells Job a lot of stuff, but he doesn't tell him why it happened. But we do get to see it. As the reader, we get to see God's purpose, and we get to see how the story ends, which is God restores Job, he restores everything, and he piles it on, doesn't he? Double everything that Job had to begin with, and that's a lot because Job already was extremely wealthy at the beginning. He honors Job uh, by... In another way, by telling his friends, the three friends, I won't even forgive you unless Job prays for you. That's that was to honor Job. So we see at the end of the book of Job, God was gracious. He had a gracious heart. God, we see what God was like at the end. We see that God couldn't wait to pile onto Job all kinds of rewards and blessings, just as soon as the purpose of the trial was over and was accomplished. And you could see that by reading in the end of the book, but you'd never be able to see that by observation, would you? If you're standing there with Job, if you're watching all this unfold, you could not see the compassion of God. James says that God is full of compassion and mercy. But if you're standing there and watching what's happening to Job... Would you be able to see any compassion, any mercy? No, you wouldn't be able to see it. It exists, but it's not made visible until the end. The reason Job doubted God's mercy was because Job was operating at that moment on feelings rather than on faith. He was operating on feelings instead of faith. And that's why God rebukes him in Job 38 too. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Job, you don't know what you're talking about. You're operating on what you feel and and it's not accurate. It is such folly to conclude that God is angry or that God doesn't care or that God is callous towards you because it feels that way. That's folly. It felt to Job like God was ruthless. That's what he says in chapter 30, verse 21. God is just ruthless. That's what it felt like to Job. But in the end, you find out, no, not only is he not ruthless, he's full of compassion and mercy. See, the reason Job got all that blessing at the end, it wasn't because he earned it. He didn't deserve it at all. He got it because of God's mercy, his overwhelming mercy. Notice that phrase, full. He says, full of compassion, or your Bible might say very compassionate. Uh, that, that, let me explain that. The, the, the normal word for compassion is splanknos. It, it refers to um, what you feel in your, your midsection. Here the word is polysplanknos. He adds poly on the front to intensify it, which uh, probably James made this word up. It never appears anywhere else. It seems like he just coined the phrase. But But the idea is, Really, really compassionate. It's a strong word. Whenever you see God's mercy referred to in Scripture, almost always you'll see a modifier. Great, or much, or tender, or something like that. God is so, so merciful and compassionate. As I said, that the, the word splanchnos literally refers to entrails. It's the place in your gut where you feel compassion. You know, if you, if you have just a little bit of compassion on someone, you won't feel it physically. But if you see someone really get hurt bad in an extreme way and you can physically feel, what happens is there is actually acids that are secreted inside uh, in the linings of your intestines that inflict pain on, on your, your midsection. And that's, that's the feeling of compassion. That's what this word is referring to. By the way, just as an aside, it's it's amusing to watch the t- tap dance that takes place if you ever ask an evolutionist why that happens. Why does the body do that? doesn't make sense in the survival of the fittest model at all. But it makes perfect sense if human beings are created in the image of a compassionate God that he would build that into our bodies. If you see someone suffer and it causes pain in your stomach, that pain is just simply the stamp of the nature of God on your body. God designed our bodies like that on purpose to teach us, this is what it feels like for me when I watch you suffer. Every time you feel that, that's what what it should teach you. This is God telling us, this is what it feels like for me. I love Lamentations 3.32. He says, though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not, get this, he does not willingly bring affliction or grief on the children of men. Does God bring suffering into your life? Does it come from God? Does he just allow or does he bring it? Well, here it says he brings it. Verse 32, he brings grief. But he doesn't do it willingly. It, literally, it's not from his heart when it's time for you to suffer when when it's time for a trial a test to come into your life and you need to suffer and that's what's best for you god does it but he has to force himself he doesn't want to do it he has to force himself it's kind of like when you're with your kids when if you're if your kid really 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 wants something and you really 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 want to give it to him you really want to say yes but you know it's not what's best for him. You know it wouldn't be good for him, and so you have to say no. Love forces you to say no, even though you don't feel like saying no. It's not from your heart. You don't want to. That's what this means when it says God doesn't do it willingly. God doesn't want to bring grief into your life, he hates seeing you suffer. He doesn't enjoy it, but he forces himself to do it anyway because he knows it's ultimately what's best for you. It quite literally hurts him more than it hurts you because he, he loves you more than you love you. Do you believe that? That God loves you even more than you love yourself? Your love for yourself is imperfect, right? God's love for you is perfect. And He's infinite. He has greater capacity to love you than you do to love yourself. That means when you smack your funny bone on something, it bothers God more than it bothers you. When something good happens to you, God is happier about it than you are. He's more concerned for your well-being than you are. He desires your prosperity and flourishing more than you do and he hates the things that harm you more than you do. According to Ephesians 3.18, it takes special supernatural power for you to even begin to grasp how wide and high and long and deep his love for you is. The natural human brain can't even compute the dimensions and extremes of how much God loves his children. Spend the day today praying for that power. Paul prayed it for the Ephesians, that they would have that much power. Pray today that you and your loved ones would have the power to gain a deeper grasp of the extremes of God's love for you. Let's pray. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonder of your great love you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. I will sing to you, Lord, for you have been good to me. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love. For they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth. And my rebellious ways. According to your love remember me. For you are good, O Lord. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in your house forever. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.